0: Welcome back to the Strength and Speed podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Mudgear Battle Alliance pro, Evan Preparis. I got another guest with me on the line for the second time in a row. I've got Rachel Waters, another Mudgear Battle Alliance pro. Rachel, say hi.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Uh, before we get to this episode, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Aurora and UFOs. Aurora, it is cold out and Aurora makes heated apparel. So I've been using their jacket a lot now that it's winter. And it's been really cold, especially after this year's World Toughest mutter. I've been freezing. I feel like I'm still recovering from that. Like, uh, my, like my, my core temperature still feels lower than normal. I, I, or maybe I just don't like being in the cold as much. So I've been really it's enjoying it. It's been a
1: normal. cold winter. It's yes. been cold. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then uh, UFOs, because what we're going to be talking about this trip is or uh, this, I'm sorry, this podcast is a big trip we have coming up. And I will be wearing my UFOs on the plane because they are super comfortable. And a great recovery shoe, and good uh, sandal, especially um, in the well, for the summertime. But the opposite side of the spectrum. But great, it's what I wear before races. Is what I wear after races. Highly recommend Ufos. I had someone in the world self motor community ask about recovery footwear and saying that their feet hurt, or they were or friends of theirs feet hurt, and I recommended Ufos, and they were like, well, they tried that, and you know their feet still hurt. And I was like, "Well, honestly, if your feet still hurt and you're wearing UFOs, like you should probably go see a, a doctor. Like I'm not. Yeah, even- I
1: wear mine around the house. They're my like, you know, every day because my hardwood floor, um, you know, and I don't like to go barefoot on it. Um, And that's my my go to in my daily life is my sweatpants and my UFOs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. I, actually, after World's Stuff's mother, I like it hurts to walk around barefoot like it hurts. Yeah. too much. <laughs> and I put on I put on the UFOs for like if I'm not. At all times, unless I'm laying in bed, I have them on pretty much all times, post-world stuff.
1: Yeah, I try to avoid the sock with sandals look, but it's only okay if you're wearing
0: buofos. I think you can pull it off. Oh, you need to um, get the working. shoes. They have shoes now. so Yeah, and oh, have, I'll need
1: to, to get some shoes. I've only got the sandals.
0: And they have fuzzy shoes, too, for like, oh, okay. I think for men and ladies, for warm Okay, care. get some fuzzies. All right, let's jump into today's episode. So today is our pre-race episode. We're talking about Hannibal Race Kuwait. It is the first OCR World Championships qualifier of 2023,
1: and Rachel and I are going to Kuwait in, let's see, seven days, a exactly, exactly a week. Yeah, a week from now, I'll be at the airport um, getting ready and so excited to go and also really excited to spend time with you, Evan, talking about it as someone who's um, competed and traveled there before um, so that you can give me some insight about what to expect and you know, hopefully educate some of our friends in the racing community about what it's like over there if they want to consider uh, making the trip. Sometime. Yeah, and this, this re- episode
0: is especially relevant because even if you're not going to Kuwait, uh, Sperm World Championship is back in um, UAE, United Arab Emirates again, if, I, if I'm correct, uh, in Abu Dhabi. And the c- cultures in the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, so basically like Kuwait, Qatar, uh, UAE, all these like wealthy arab countries in the middle east are all very similar they have a very similar culture now I and mean, there are there are differences so don't that's a very broad statement so don't dive into that too much but as a general rule they yeah, are compared to, compared to our culture yeah correct just yeah generally yeah. speaking yeah so um, um you know initial thoughts traveling to kuwait uh concerns well, rachel why don't you start it off uh, with any kind of questions you may have had i know you talked to brenn in advance who has who's already been over there uh, twice before plus the lebanon so yeah I
1: think there's there's a couple of parts right there's um you know the race itself, which we can talk about, you know what to expect with the obstacles, the terrain, you know the other athletes just kind of learning about you know our sport in another part of the world, so you know I kind of want to pick your brain just to get feedback about about that, what to expect as an athlete competing, but then i 'm also really you know curious and excited and a little anxious about what to expect just as a visitor to the area, um, in regards to how, you know, how different it is, right. You know, how, how American is this, how, you know, unfamiliar will, will this feel, you know, as far as language and, and, you know, are things in English? Is that, is that common to go to a restaurant and see things in English? Um, do most of the people speak English? Like, let's start there when, you know, when I get off of my plane, you know, I go from Atlanta, um, to Qatar to Kuwait. So, you know, when I get into Kuwait, what can I expect um, from the people there as far as, you know, the, the the getting adjusted to talking to people and navigating?
0: Yeah, so everyone, especially at the airport, the majority of people, yeah. the majority of people working at the airport will speak English, right? Because it is a yeah. uh, common language for travel. So they'll be able to help you in English. The signs will be in Arabic and English. Uh, there'll be a lot of the normal chain restaurants you've seen in the United States will be over there. There's Popeye's. There's Starbucks. Um last time i checked or at least i
1: evan do you think that popeyes is in my normal life
0: uh so i what's funny is i mentioned popeyes because and this is why if you translate arabic to english so there's no there's no p in arabic uh, uh, so uh, when you translate it okay. to, to uh, when you transliterate it, it it's it comes out as like essentially boobies so
1: because oh. if, you,
0: if you replace the p with the b so whenever I think of fast food, okay. I think of Popeyes in the middle, in, uh, Kuwait because we we would laugh every time we saw the <laughs> sign because when we read it,
1: that's what I'm like, why would he say Popeyes?
0: <laughs> like, when we transliterate, we don't say we don't say movies think... and start laughing like uh like a bunch of yeah. Fair.
1: Well, now we will, now we will, but like okay, sorry, I'm <laughs> like anyway.
0: Yeah, so a lot a lot of like you, you'll see a lot of the signs they're in Arabic yeah. and English, so you see both okay. of them. Um,
1: but even what about like once you leave the airport and you're going out into restaurants and stores and yeah Arabic
0: Arabic and English Arabic and English and,
1: so okay well that's a good,
0: lot like, of the, a lot of the rest again the restaurants will have the English on one side and Arabic on the other um, so you'll be able okay to and right so I'm week.
1: assuming most of the people there will be interacting with English as well then yeah um, so most of the people I mean there are people who
0: only speak Arabic um, yeah the a lot of the people we will be interacting with will speak Arabic and English like like obviously Amin is fluent in English. Arabic, and then he's, um, he's got. I think he's got some French in him. He's got a couple, a couple other languages under his belt. Uh, Hiba, oh, wow. the other one of the other uh, race co-owners, uh, she speaks Arabic and English. Um, and then a lot of the, like some of the workers, some of like the build crew will only speak Arabic. Um, but most of the people, you know, will, will probably go out to dinner a couple times. A lot of the people we're going out to dinner with, again, Arabic okay. and English. They'll be able to speak both. Um,
1: okay, so is it safe to assume that in their like modern education system, English is taught? So that's kind of – like that's what it sounds like. I believe I mean,
0: for h- higher education levels, it is taught. Okay. I know if um, – as, as an Army officer, you have uh, – we send – annually, we send one person over there to go to their command and general staff college, their majors course, and it's actually taught in English. It's not taught in Arabic. Which okay, is, interesting. So I tried to go there. I did not get in, long story short. They only sent one American. Uh, someone else was higher on the priority list. I went to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas instead.
1: Um, <laughs> Well, now you get to go run an obstacle course race. I do, yeah. um, Okay, so I mean that—that's interesting. You know, I didn't really understand that about about the um, culture. Now, what about it? And this was a big thing that you know I even thought of. And of course, my friends and family, because people don't know. um, A lot of people asked me, you know, as a female, if there would be any different expectations for what would be socially appropriate for me to say or do or wear. And um, you know, that was a question that I had. Um, a lot of people ask me, um, yeah. which is, you know, I think a common thing that um, is maybe just a lack of knowledge on on from from our part of the world, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, as a female, you don't need to walk around in a hijab or anything like that, with your hair covered and all, you know, the like just the eyes exposed or any, anything like that. You know, it's it's fairly a mix of west uh, westernized, so you'll you will see plenty of females walking around with everything completely covered, and like the only thing you can see is their eyes. Like that is normal. You will see plenty of that. We also see plenty of Western people there, just dressed conservatively. Um, As a general rule, just conservative dress is appropriate. You know, you don't want to be if you were wearing something in the United States and you're like that seems kind of risque or kind of bold. You know, not the outfit you want to pack when you're going to Kuwait. I'll say yes.
1: Generally, a little more, a little more conservative. Yeah, in in general,
0: a lot of people don't wear shorts; they typically wear pants, even the men. Um, and then, you know, oh, in
1: the day, like in day-to-day dining yeah. and shopping. So what about, how does that differ in like an athletic environment?
0: Uh, so athletic environment, yeah, that'll, that'll change th- uh, slightly. So, um, you know, obviously the, the normal race clothes we wear tighter race clothes, um, is a little more than norm. I normally race shirtless. I will probably race with a shirt on. You will see some guys oh. racing shirtless, but it won't be
1: the, the majority of them will have shirts on. I'll say that. Um, Yeah, I was considering um, with that would it also give me a good opportunity to, you know, wear a jersey or a shirt to promote a sponsor, Um, you know, but I was considering, you know, wearing, um, depending on the temperatures, which I did look at, um, possibly shorts, but, um, you know, maybe pants and at least a top um, for the race. You know, I I think I think
0: shorts or pants um, and a jersey would be appropriate over, let's say, a sports bra. Like, could you wear a sports bra and get away with it? And will anyone say anything to you? They probably wouldn't. Um, More socially acceptable would probably be wear a jersey.
1: It's also not polite to be a a visitor and a guest and to, if you know better, to walk on the lines of something that that could be offensive, right? You know, I have plenty of opportunities to race in a sports bra at home if I want to. Um, But it's also just being respectful of, you know, it's not all about always, you know. (laughs) What do I want to wear? You right. know, it's how is what I'm doing impacts people around me. And coming over as an, an American, you know, we're also representing our sport and wanting to, you know, come over and be respectful. Um, because if I come over and act disrespectful, then, you know, it, it, it could sort of not not that I'm responsible for the whole, you know, view on Americans. But I'm representing our sport and, and you are too um, and our team and our sponsors. So that's good Absolutely. to know.
0: And for those of you who might be considering going to Spartan World Championships, right, in the Middle East, that's a little bit different because that is a world competition. So you'll have people traveling from all over the world. You know, so for that environment, you know, that would be more socially acceptable to race in a sports bra because you have all these different cultures converging versus Hannibal race is a Kuwait race. So you will primarily have people from Kuwait. Um, You'll get some people from there. There's a couple of military bases in Kuwait, U.S. military bases that will come over. And you'll get a couple of, you know, trickle of, you know, maybe some Europeans or some other Middle Easterners. So it is primarily a a more of a local event versus Spartan World Championship is a global event. So you'll get a lot more international representation there.
1: And I'm very excited that it is more of a local event because instead of the pressure of international competition for a championship race, you know, I feel like I'm going to have the opportunity to get to know the other athletes there. Um, And, you know, have you, having been more than once, have you uh, met some of the same athletes? Do you know any of the athletes in the area? So
0: so I don't know any of the Kuwaiti athletes. I follow a couple actually on Instagram that I've met. Okay. Um, One of them, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to say her name, so I know I'm going to mess it up. One of them I actually met at OCR World Championships, a Kuwaiti athlete. So I met her there. Uh, Hopefully she will be there. I haven't checked to see if she's going to be there. Um, And then I follow, a Spartan Kuwait athlete who's, uh, he's done some triathlons. He's like unbelievably lean. Um, and then some of the Lebanese athletes will actually travel over. Um, so some of the guys who've just been following Hannibal race for all these years and have, you know, some of them haven't missed an event cause there hasn't been as many, you know, they typically hold one, maybe two a year. And, uh, they are primarily in Lebanon, Kuwait and, you know, over 2020, I don't think we've held, they've held one since 2020. So they've, well, I'm sure place.
1: everybody's going to be really excited to um, to be back then if they haven't had one. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to go. Um, you know, and I know you,
0: you will see some of the females, some of the local females will be dressed, you know, long black pants, long black shirt, you know, uh, hair covered, just their face exposed. Right. You'll so you'll see you'll see the full gamut of, of people. And, and that's always cool to see um, just kind of the different cultural racing uh, environment and then but they're still getting out there right they're not just sitting there off to the sidelines they're they're still running
1: yeah that's um, I'm looking forward to really getting to meet the people um, I'm also excited so what can you tell me about Hannibal <clears throat> you know Hannibal race itself as far as terrain obstacles you know what what do you love about it what's not so much fun but in that fun way you know
0: <laughs> yeah uh, so this one is held at the Motor Park, which is, I believe, south of Kuwait City. Uh, previously, the year Brenna went with Daniel Leonard and the year I went with Brenna, it was west of the city. So this is actually a new environment, so I have not actually been to this one. Oh, that being okay. sa- Yeah, okay. that being said, Kuwait, um, if we look at a hydrology map of Kuwait, it is one color because there is no water in the country. It is just desert. So when people think of the Middle East, you're probably thinking of Kuwait, where it's just desert <laughs> As far as you can see, right. So like Kuwait city is off in the corner there. And then So the you're
1: saying th- there's going to be sand. Yeah.
0: The rest of the country <laughs> is basically a giant sand pit. Um, you know, so, I, you know, a lot of people want to they're like, oh, you
1: without the beach. <laughs> yes.
0: A lot of people when, you know, they like, oh, you've been to Iraq. It's like, yeah. And then they, they think of desert. And that's not accurate. But Kuwait, it, that is accurate for Kuwait. It is desert. So um, it's got that city. Kuwait city is the, is the only major city in Kuwait. And there's a bunch of neighborhoods there. And then we're going to be, we're going to be saying like in the heart of the city, right by the, uh, right by the ocean there, the, uh, Arabian Gulf and just south of the city is where it's, that's a, a motorsports park. So I'm guessing it's going to be flatter than previous years because previous years, there was a little bit more of, uh, running up some sand dunes. I imagine there'll still be some sand dunes. I think it'll be a mix of flat, smaller sand dunes, um, probably a little bit of concrete and probably a little, uh, a lot of sand. And, and if it's okay. that if it's, at, if it's at more like motocross, I don't know, I don't know what type of racetrack this is. Honestly, I obviously haven't done much research, but if it's more yeah, like
1: well that because if it's motocross, I mean that, that almost makes me like Jacksonville. Um, but the the Jacksonville in Florida has swamp at it too, so nah. probably just hills. A lot of times with motocross, they have a lot of those little small dirt hills because yeah. you're trying to make fun things to jump on your vehicles with, but that can be a lot of really sneaky type of of hill work where it may not be a mountain that you're going up but you're doing these constant very steep in the sand um you know little inclines yeah
0: yeah they uh when I think of motocross I typically think of uh, raceway park in New Jersey which has yeah we you run through the woods a lot of flat area and then you go to the the track and you're going up and down of these tiny sharp
1: Yeah. And you really can't even get speed because they're so kind of short and and curvy and, um, you know, kind of kill your legs going up these things. So that, that'll be kind of fun. So that even if they don't have mountains and all of this type of terrain that, uh, running up little hills in the sand is, (laughs) uh, that's a
0: killer. Yeah. Yeah. What
1: about the obstacles that you, and they may have some new ones since you have been, but what can you tell me about how their obstacles are different than ours? What to expect, how it compares? So you'll get, a, you'll get a pretty good mix of kind of the standard
0: OCR obstacles. So you'll get some low crawls. You'll get some walls. You get the tire wall. Um, you get like a quad steps type of thing, uh, maybe a bounce beam or some other bounce type obstacles. Typically, they end the race, which what they call the Battle of Kana. So it is – they basically pack a bunch of obstacles into the festival area, which is super cool for spectators. So a lot of times the main course, you don't get to see that much because typically it goes away. Uh, from the festival and doesn't loop back until it finishes, uh, but you'll get some obstacles along the path. You know, as someone of your level who's very good at obstacles, nothing's really going to present a, a significant challenge for you. Um, and then when you get to the Battle of Kana, it's just back-to-back obstacles. So there'll be things like a rope climb. Previous years, the rope on the rope climb was super thin, so it was actually a lot harder than it seemed. There was a you know a warped wall, um, not too big. There's uh, some balance obstacles, some traverse obstacles. And then the the hardest obstacle was a bunch of rings, which actually – I know that sounds really easy, especially for a lot of our listeners. But what was actually hard is they were pretty far apart, so they were probably the width of – is if you were skipping holes on the platinum rig. And, or for our Conquer the Gauntlet fans, basically the length – the width of CTG rings. But the challenge was they were not set up in a straight line. They were actually zigzag. So you had to like use your core and actually change change direction of momentum. So it was yeah. A, it's a little bit trickier um, than it initially appears. i've got a really good picture from the race of like me uh, traversing those rings, but that's the hardest Not upper body it, it obstacle. for
1: completion or is it penalty
0: I believe there is a burpee penalty if you
1: fail something. Do you know if Not. you only get one attempt or and I know if they haven't had a race in a couple of years, they may have changed some of this, yeah. right? but I was just curious about you know do you get to retry um, you know how Because it sounds like what you're saying is that our obstacles that we see in our races may be a little more difficult, maybe on the the grip. But, you know, again, if you're you're a race company that's only doing one or two events a year, you know, you're not making like championship events. You know, you're doing more building that OCR community for all levels as opposed to being you know, but trying to build a competitive point series or whatever.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I mean, the only other reoccur- regularly reoccurring uh, race in the Middle East that I'm aware of is Spartan Race. So Spartan has an affiliate in the Middle East that puts on regular races. So the okay. obstacle is going to be a little, bit more, a little more Spartan-esque. I know there's been some races in the Middle East in the past. Uh, Ashley Samples has gone to one in Dubai, uh, but I'm not tracking any of those are still operating. So okay. yeah, your primary competitor is Spartan or primary other community building event is Spartan. But they're so infrequent, I wouldn't even call them competitor. I would say they're yeah. they were complementary to each other. They actually help but each other if, out. But
1: if if it's Spartan, then you would kind of have more of a penalty approach, probably as opposed to a mandatory completion. If that's sort of the yeah. you know brand, brand that's driving a lot of your your athletes and training and competition. Um,
0: and with this being a shorter race, honestly, like you kind of need to get through everything uh, without having to do the penalty. Otherwise, it's really gonna eat at about your time. how
1: long will it be
0: so i think officially it was uh published as a 8k was it but um historically it's been a little closer to 5k
1: so somewhere somewhere in the like three to five three, three to, to, four to five or four yeah. call it four
0: <laughs> yeah
1: ish 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 four ish and just um, like
0: just like america when you say a race length and it comes out short no one ever comes and complains like hey there wasn't more running you know everyone's he- like yeah, I'm just happy to be done. And the obstacles are great. We could have used more obstacles or, you know, et cetera. No, I've yeah. never heard anyone finish a race and be like, it was shorter than you said it was going to be. And I'm yeah, I
1: sometimes, would've... though, I, I wish that things would be what they say they are only because of the way that maybe I strategize. Um, and, yeah. and like some because, you know, sometimes I'll finish with a little bit of like, wait a minute, if that was only five and a half miles. I thought it was six. I would have taken my gel. Or you know whatever, <laughs> like maybe a half a maybe five minutes earlier in this or or I would have you know whatever, but um, yeah, usually you would rather have it short than long uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, I personally would rather have it yeah preposterously long, but uh, For that's sure. not, but I'm the only one, so I'm one of the few of the few there,
1: so yeah, so um what 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 else do I need to know? what has been your you know what 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 do you think is going to surprise me when I go over there?
0: The hospitality is going to be phenomenal. Uh, Amin and Hiba just do a really good job. I, I swear I come back from these trips heavier than when I left every time because the food is so good, and they're going to take us out to some great places to eat. And they order – the way they order food, they order like family style, so they just order a bunch of stuff so you don't actually pick any stuff, anything off the menu. And you'll like finish eating. And look around, and it looks like you haven't even started eating, right? Like there's just so much food on the table.
1: Evan, so. I just told myself I was going to start working off all of that holiday stuff I've been enjoying. Now start. And you said
0: so, <laughs> two weeks, you can start working that off.
1: Now I'm going to have to set it back, set it back a little bit. Um, you know, <laughs> um, and I did look at their time zone. It they're eight hours ahead of us. Yeah. Um, which interesting. Just if any of our listeners are kind of curious about, you know, how how removed we will be. Um you know, cause I had some friends asking about live feed and I said, well, you're going to probably be asleep the night before, you know, when I'm racing and, you know, Evan, do you want to touch on, um, you know, the, the day, the day that our races, um, so, yeah,
0: yeah, the race is on a Friday. So it's the 13th, uh, Friday, the 13th to be specific. And you, you had commented like, Oh, the race is a Friday. That's kind of weird. And I again, thought I
1: had the days messed up. Right. Cause I already know like every Saturday of the year, right. Because of racing. And I'm like, the 13th, that just doesn't sound right, um, you know.
0: Yeah, so uh, primarily a Muslim country, and the holy days in Islam are, are are Friday. So the weekend in the Middle East is Friday, Saturday. It is not Saturday, Sunday. So,
1: And that's really interesting because I didn't know that. So um, it's crazy how, you know, I've gone through the education system. I've, you know, I, I don't travel a lot, but um, I, I didn't even know that. So that was a really unique thing for me to learn that we will be racing on Friday morning instead of what we're used to in the States, which is you know a Saturday race day, um, so I thought that was pr- a pretty interesting difference and you also comment that it was Friday the thirteenth, and I will share
0: some of my useless trivia here uh <laughs> Friday the thirteenth got a bad rap uh because that is the day they arrested all the knights Templar so uh anyone you know into conspiracy theories about what the Knights Templar are and do uh you know do they have the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, or are they the uh, bloodline of Jesus Christ, if you believe the Holy Blood, Holy Grail, or the Dan Brown Da Vinci Code series, which there's literally no evidence to support. That's another story. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I <laughs>
1: think you're going down the rabbit hole. That's Knights like, Templar
0: well. were all arrested on Friday the 13th, which is generally okay. why people believe that is an unlucky, unlucky day. Um, and then they were eventually like. uh, tortured and confessed to a bunch of things that they didn't actually do and then were burned at the stake. So,
1: yeah. Well, we're going to have a great time racing. on Friday, (laughs) And I actually like Friday the 13th. So it's I I was excited. But I was I did have to kind of do a a double take when I saw the date because it didn't line up. Um, But you know, I'm really excited. I'm a little nervous about flying that long. I've not been on a a flight like on a plane for that long without getting off of it. So um, that'll be different. And then just a little concerned about, you know, coming in as an athlete, sort of jet lagged with the time zone and and all of that, um, you know, how I'll be feeling race, race morning, but, you know, hopefully try to rest a little bit on that. So Wednesday. you're flying, you're
0: flying Qatar Airways, which is my second favorite airline. Emiratis is my favorite, uh, but Qatar is a super nice airline. So you're going to have a great, you're going to have a That's great That's what trip. my
1: boss told me. He told me it'll probably be the nicest flight I'll ever take, um, yeah. that there are really, really hospitable good airline so um and, it, and I'm flying direct too so I'm going into Qatar and it's an hour and a half to Kuwait so that really cuts on the travel not stopping you know for a layover in Europe um well, but it well, will be pay online. attention to
0: your stewardess because um somewhere between America and the Middle East they will go from like my hair's down and then they will put on like the more traditional headdress where their hair is covered it's oh of, yeah it's kind of interesting it's just like like you go to sleep when you wake up and all of a sudden the, the stewardesses all look different. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> You're like,
1: where am I? But yeah, um, my flight back, because it's longer to get back. I have, you know, an hour and a half to Qatar and then from Qatar to Atlanta, 16 and a half hours. So, um, you know, that'll be a long time in, in in a plane. So I'm looking forward to how comfortable that seat hopefully is. <laughs> Take a nap.
0: Yeah, You know, bring some activities. I'm sure there'll be plenty of movies uh, like that you can watch. Yeah. Usually, I run out of. (laughs) I don't watch a lot of movies in theaters. I I I can't remember last time I was in a theater, but usually I catch up on my movies on international flights, where it's like, no, I saw the last four Marvel movies on international flights, so um, it'll be cool. And then the the the, again back to the culture of the of Kuwait. Uh, If you're a car person, I don't know if you like cars, but you'll see, you know, Bugattis, Maseratis, Aston Martins, all sorts of crazy uh, cars in Kuwait. So be a car person oh, you'll enjoy it.
1: I'm just super excited for all of that and I had looked up you know the food online just to get kind of a, a gist right because I'm actually gluten-free so I don't do flour um so I was just kind of like poking around and looking and the food looked really good <laughs> so it, I'm excited to have some you know delicious authentic different type of food and just kind of broaden my horizons a little bit um and, and meet new people I mean I mean don't get me wrong, I'm excited to do the obstacle course race because, you know, the racing and the competition is what I love. But I'm more excited for the opportunity to just kind of expose myself to the people and the place and, you know, kind of change who I am based on what I learned that's not in my little bubble anymore. So that's what I'm really excited about.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's the right attitude, and I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's, a, it's
1: I mean, I'm still going to go over experience. there and try to, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean put we're that, we're going to down, win, right? Put down
1: some work, Evan. I got to go there and show everybody how we how we do it over here. You know, yeah, typically
0: but. the female pool much like America is, you know, there's a couple of of really fast females and then the the competition level drops off pretty pretty steep, pretty quick. Um and I'm not saying there's just uh, you know, based off numbers there are more males that race than females. You know, and females typically have other at some point in their twenties and thirties typically have other priorities like having kids, et cetera. So. Yeah. And
1: I think looking at the sports, you know, differently, you know, our, you know, off school course racing is really big in the U S and we have so many different race series and events every weekend all over. There's a lot of access to the sport itself. And so that also drives up more athletes. You're going to have more, our training has advanced. I mean, just looking at since I started, how many more people there are out there now that i mean spartan didn't used to have to have an age group right now they have so many competitive people that they had to make you know band it out into a leading age group and all of that and so part of that could be is if there aren't as many race opportunities you're not going to have as many pro level because you know if they don't have anywhere to race um you know that's going to kind of change that that dedication level maybe in focus as an athlete where they may be doing some of this, but more other sports too. Um,
0: I think in 2019, uh, Brenna lost to someone that was a road runner, right? So she, I think she was like the 10K champion, if I remember correctly, of Kuwait. So that's kind of where you, oh. you, you like, you, you don't have to worry. So as much I would about definitely Oslo be racers.
1: losing to a 10K champion of anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you don't have to worry about obstacle course, races. you have to worry about road, road runners run- who have transitioned over and, you know, they, they won't be able to run their road race pace because their heart rate will spike after the obstacles yeah but they will put down a solid pace and i remember now that i say it i remember in 2019 when we were there i'm like a mile and a half in and i i we we come to a course part of the course where it bends back on itself and i saw a female like right behind me and i was like what in the heck i was like i'm running pretty fast here like yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure i shouldn't be getting chicked at uh the hannibal race in kuwait but uh, I, I opened the gap on her in the second half of the race, especially when all the obstacles.
1: Yeah, because well, you were running scared.
0: <laughs> I was.
1: I was <laughs> like, kidding. I didn't
0: fly across the world to get checked. You know, I did. Just, yeah, um... I
1: mean, but that also plays to the idea of if their major exposure to the sport is through Spartan, you know, and not mandatory completion, it just develops different athletes. Yes. Um, And yeah. then kind of what goes there. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's great, though, to just to see the sport. It's crazy that it's international that way. And I mean, I think that kind of leaps to sort of something you and I had also talked about, like touching on and talking about this sport growing, right? Um, and the fe- and more international competitions that are going to be happening um, next year and, you know, trying to get universal um, affiliated groups to compete internationally. So I'm excited to do this because I'm also watching how our sport's growing um, in that capacity and, you know, other potential to travel and race athletes from different countries um so this will be a really cool first step for me also excited i can i want to do ocrwc so it'd be nice to just go ahead and try to qualify get it out of the way and it'd be really a fun experience to do that um you know at hannibal race so that's one of my goals sounds good i think you're gonna do great i got high hopes for
0: you and i hope i can put down a solid show on myself so we'll uh, we'll see how it goes.
1: I'll I'll try not to. I'll I'll, I'll I don't think I can catch you, Evan. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you come close, I'm gonna pick up the pace. So uh, run as close as you can because if helps I me. see the
1: back of your head, I'm gonna yell something at you so you know it's me coming and you'll you'll pick it up. <laughs> no, you're all, you're quite fast. You're much faster than I am. So um, are oh are there any? What about heavy carries? Sorry, no, that's random. Um, um, I'm like, Ooh, do I get to carry anything? I
0: think there was one heavy carry and it was short. Uh, I don't remember it okay. being significant. I, okay. I'm I'm honestly pretty bad about remembering obstacles. I'll like completely black out during. A You've race. also
1: done so many races that like it all. Uh, That's, true. all That's true. That's true. You know, you're like, <laughs> you know, they all start. Carry one sandbag, you carry them all. Um, you know, occasionally you have those few really bad ones that you remember. You know, like really specific points in races. But I mean, I'm the same way. I can't. I can't even. You know, I'll be doing like an ultra, right? And I'm doing like the second loop of the beast. And it's like, I've never been here before. Yeah, <laughs> I'll like, be, I'll be at
0: world's toughest mother and I'll be like, all right, I got three more obstacles left and we'll be like 60 miles into the race. And I'll come around a bend and I'll be like, right. There's, there's these two also. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like... Or you're,
1: you look, you're like, I'm lost. I haven't been here yet. You're like, yeah, you've been through here eight times already <laughs> in the past 12 hours. It's like, oh, oh wait. So, <laughs> so.
0: So you mentioned kind of the growing international competition. So I wanted to talk real quick. Again, again, you're about to get just Evan's opinion. That, you know, I know I write for OCRWC, but that's not – in no way is this their official opinion. Um, just kind of as someone who's been in the sport regularly involved both in the front as an athlete and also on the backside of the industry. So FISO, Federation Internationale, Obstacle Sports Federation, whatever you want to call it, right? It's the organization that started by Ian Adamson, and uh, they have this – global organization but then they they're essentially establishing these national uh team national organizations within right so the i know the philippines one is pretty active um there's some others in europe and they um they they're trying to start an american one or at least i think maybe the american ones already been stood up i'm not even sure uh but so this is the organization this is not ocr world championship this is a separate organization these are the people who put on the event uh i remember there was like a hundred meter a world championship in russia in like i want to say it was 2019 um they put on uh and by put on i mean what they do is they take their international obstacle sports federation and they slap their label on an event that's already existing and they say all right this is the now the national championships or this is the world championships and they've done that in the u.s they didn't want that once the spartan race in this i believe it was in florida i want to say um, hey, yeah i think you it go was to that one florida?
1: I went to something in California, but I think that was more related to US OCR because I went to a, um, I went to one in California where I had to shoot a laser gun Uh, in, in December of, I want to say it was 2018. Maybe I think it was eighteen, and but I think that was like an attempt at creating, and I think that was the U.S. But I I did shoot a laser gun, um, okay. that one yeah, which was <laughs> odd. All right,
0: so so they, they, I know they held one. They again they slapped their label on one Spartan event in, um, I think it was in Florida, and I want to say mm-hmm. 2017. I want to say in 2018 they held the quote U.S. Championship in Black Diamond obstacle course race in Ohio, and it was a very poor turnout. I want to say if you were a female and you showed up, whether you ran age group or elite, you were more likely to get a medal than not get a medal. I think like something like, uh, there's something like like t- less than 10 people did not get, like a, a podium medal for the females. That's how poor the turnout was. Uh, for the males, it was, it was a bit better, but I think overall, if you showed up at that event, there was a greater than 50% chance you got an age group podium medal. So not a great turnout. Um, Again, this is Evan's opinion. In my opinion, they've been doing, they've been saying a lot of stuff, but haven't really followed through on anything. So I've had someone reach out to me when they first stood up, hey, you want to help get this started up? And I said, yeah, let me know what you need, what help you need. Fast forward two years, I get same, same comment, but from a different person. My response is the same. Let me know what help you need. And kind of like I told them a little bit about some of the backstory. And then we're on round three of people trying to get stuff stood up in the US. Um. Again, my opinion is I don't – I've got very like, – I think there's a lot of people involved that have very good intentions. I think there is not a lot of stuff actually happening, um, and what I really like about Adrian Adventure OCRWC is how things are beneficial to both. Right. So they, they establish someone as a qualifier. The qualifier gets to a- advertise their brand as an OCRWC qualifier. Uh, they don't have any specific restrictions to put they put on the brand besides like make sure you post results in a timely manner, make sure you identify who the qualifiers are, etc. Uh, but they don't impose any other restrictions where I think the obstacle sports federation is going. They're trying to impose restrictions as far as, you know, standards for wall heights and stuff like that. But what I really like about OCR, B- OCR in general is its variability. Um, That being said, they recently announced that there's a Spartan – or there's an OCR Triple Crown, right? So it's you have to run a World's Toughest Mudder. You have to run the Spartan 3K uh, World Championships in Abu Dhabi. And then you have to run the 100-meter OCR Champs course in Belgium. Now, the OCR Champs course is affiliated with FISO, the Obstacle Sports Federation. It is not affiliated with the 100-meter event at OCRWC. In Mammoth Lakes, California, and what I don't so what like, do you
1: get if you get a triple crown?
0: I don't I don't know if they've published the prizes yet. Um, oh, but it's, okay,
1: so okay, so this is like an elite, co- yeah. Because I kind of saw that. I mean, I didn't really read into it because I immediately look at, you know, world's toughest mutter. I'm like, yeah, I would maybe do that. But then I looked at the like that. I'm like, I'm not going to those two places and doing those other two. Like, I'm not going to do a 3K. I'm not flying there to you know and I don't want to commit to that level of international travel until I really one hundred percent know that something like this would happen. Yeah. Um, And there there are
0: other events going on those weekends. So it's not like you're traveling just for a 3K or just for a hundred meter.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: That being said, what I don't like is that wait a
1: minute. Like I don't know if I want to go all the way to Belgium for that's pretty quick.
0: (laughs) So so what I don't like is that it's to me it's purposely misleading. Like it says OCR champs So like they took out ship in ship they took out the word instead of championship they just put champs, and it's like implied. It's very easy if you're not involved in the industry to get confused and be like, oh, the OCR champion OCRWC is in Belgium this year. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's in California. Um, So it seems purposely misleading. And then if you go to the 100 meter OCR champs website, their event schedule. Now let me let me ask you if this sounds familiar. Their event schedule is Friday. There's a 3K. Saturday, there's a 15K. Sunday, there's a team relay. And there's a 100 meter uh, going on all weekend with the finals on Sunday.
1: Does that sound familiar? Yeah. I've, I've definitely done that format
0: before. <laughs> they literally <laughs> copy and pasted the OCRWC website schedule of events and put it on their own website. And they're like, there it is. There's our championship weekend. It's like, are you guys serious? Again, I, I'm just, I, I've, seen, I've seen this play out multiple times over the last six years. Uh, I've got, I've got a lot of reservations here. And when, when FIZO was starting and they start they, they, they started doing their hundred meter championships from my understanding, they were like, oh, we're not trying to be competitors with OCRWC. We're just trying to grow the sport and blah, blah, blah. And we fast forward a couple of years and they're like, it looks like, well, now you're in a direct competition. Cause you literally cut and pasted their schedule.
1: Well, yeah. I and mean, when you look at those three events, I mean, that is asking for a very well-rounded athlete too, because you know I, I you can't just like the two i mean and if we're just talking about from a u.s athlete perspective right like um world's toughest mudder is a very big undertaking you know yeah. not just because it's 24 hours long but because it's you know the the travel to and from it the cost you know it that you can't race before and after like the weekends because i mean it's a very big event right yes. like in in the scope of what it takes up as far as resources and time and energy in your life. Well, when you look at it as U S athlete, that that the other two that you would have to do, which are both, you know, pretty far travel, um, you know, it's not like a quick trip where you can fly in Friday and be home Sunday, like, you know, stuff in the U S you know, you're asking for three really big expenses, um, you know, three big trips, um, to be able to achieve all of that and f- and for me personally I just don't know that I would want to do that especially when there's you know the lack of when we're talking at least the Spartan brand they're gonna even take away burpees and go to penalty loops and you know um, I think that you know and I, I think you and I have talked about this with World's Toughest Mudder and I don't want to go too far into because again this isn't like the what Rachel's opinion is about everything matters but one problem I have with World's Toughest Mudder as a competitive event and having it part of a high level championship like what they're proposing is that you help each other on the obstacles and i think that that's awesome i i think that tough mudder world stuff as mudder is fun because of that um, it still takes a lot of physical work but as far as assessing athleticism within the sport of obstacle course racing I just don't understand how of the three races that you would link in that one is going to be one where people aren't doing obstacles themselves like again I'm not taking away the mileage that you run which is a huge feat I mean I've I've done two world's toughest mudder is hard but I just can't understand why I'm the only person that ever seems to say that that why is world's toughest mudder being used um when 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 you really look at it from an obstacle perspective it's not measuring the skills that each individual has as far as obstacle proficiency endurance and ability yeah. um
0: so no, and then, you got a very good point you got a very you good know
1: point. and i love Stuff toughest mutter and it's don't get me wrong it's really hard and it's awful and it's wet and it's muddy and it's exhausting and there's all and it's hard but i just don't understand why why a board of an organization decided that that's how you would measure athleticism and link cash prizes to it for a triple crown, but whatever. Anyway, that's all I'll say about, (laughs) maybe if people disagree with me, but um, that's just an odd choice to me. um, If you're really talking about, you know, a seemingly high level international competition, um, like those three races Um, anyway. Yeah, that's no, awesome. it's
0: a very good point i think it's just the the culture of tough mudder you just you'd have to create a separate event like the spartan the twice 24-hour spartan world championships for it yeah,
1: well i've heard that they're not doing it anymore like i've heard rumors that spartans um because now that they own tough mudder um you know with their cancellation of tahoe last year i've heard some rumors from people i know they're kind of in the spartan outskirts will you say so this isn't like official news right, right. um that there may not be an ultra championship with the Spartan brand anymore. So that's maybe why world's toughest mudder had to be picked as a 24 hour race. Um, and that may not be true, but that's what I've kind of heard that Spartan may pull that event. So the 24 hour option is world's toughest mudder. That Um, makes
0: sense. The Spartan 24 hour had a lot lower turnout. Um, same thing with the, when OCRWC did a 24 hour event, again, their turnout was a lot lower than world's toughest. World's toughest has a massive turnout and, it's a twenty-four hour race, which um, again typically drives a lot of people away. But at the same time, uh, they've built this community around it that people just keep coming back. So well, and, and uh, exactly, it's, it's the most been, prestigious, you know, when we talk twenty-four yeah, hour racing. Hands and down. and
1: it, but also because of the camaraderie of helping each other, and it's a whole different experience for you know, the, the, the athletes that keep a, an event afloat are not the ones winning the prize money. It's Correct. your open, open wave. And so I think the camaraderie and, and good culture that, t- that world's toughest and Tough Mudder has is what drives that race being so popular as opposed to, you know, a Spartan, you really got to want to enjoy that 24 hours because you're doing it by yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, no, so, but we straight a little, so back to, um, sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I can, I can just I thought, talk about all this all day. So I
0: thought sorry. that was all good. So Anyway, um, looking at establishing an American OCR federation, or whatever, I don't, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. it, it looks like, again, this is from Evan's outside perspective, from the little bit of research I've done, it looks very similar to USA Triathlon. So USA Triathlon, when you – you can either pay for your membership, and then that gets you into any USA uh, partner triathlons, or you can pay a one-day pass for USA Triathlon… And then, uh, so essentially, it's an extra like $30 onto your race registration. And, um, you know, you get to run in that USA Triathlon uh, sponsored or, you know, endorsed event. Now, as someone who did triathlon for a couple of years, USA Triathlon, as an age group or open wave athlete, does absolutely nothing for you, in my opinion, besides take your money and send you a sticker, right? So I give them. I think at the time when I was paying, I think it was $30 for a day registration or like 75 for a year registration. So if yeah. you're doing three registr- three races a year, you, you, you know, it makes sense. But essentially they take your money and then I have no, like they just do whatever with it and you're just out $75. And I think that to me, that looks like the model that the American OCR federation is, is looking to impose. But again, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think more structure and more bureaucracy over our sport is necessarily a good thing. Now I what I should do is bring someone from um, the obstacle sports federation onto the podcast to actually discuss this in depth. Haven't had quite time to my schedule at this yet at this point, but uh, we'll look to do that in the future. And, you know, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong and I hope they are, their, their hearts are in the right place um, because I think a lot of the people who I've been told are involved and a lot of the people who are on the backside are are, ge- are genuinely interested in pushing the sport forward. That being said, I don't think the, the bureaucracy model of just adding levels of bureaucracy and rules that don't like if I pay if I pay an organization a fee, I want something in return. You know, and don't just be like, well, here is a 15% off code to a brand that you can get a 15% off code through from any of the other brands, right? Like I want something legitimate. I want something like some actual feedback or I don't want, you know, I don't want like all right, so I pay 75 bucks to these people and it goes to helping like the U.S. national team travel, right? Like I think what's cool – one of the things that's cool about our uh, OCR pro team is we don't – like I'm not accepting – people aren't paying us for stuff, right? Like I don't – we don't have a, uh, a charity or Patreon to get money, and like the, the open wave athletes are paying for the the pros to go places. That's what we have sponsors, and that's what we have – um, that's what we, produ- we produce content for. So w- the only time we've quote unquote taken money from open wave athletes is when we've held a weekend seminar at the conquer the gauntlet gym, or we uh, uh, for a couple of races. We did short course. We set up a short course at conquer the gauntlet. Um, so we're get- we're always giving something in return. And uh, I- I'm just, I'm just slightly concerned. The head the direction we're heading is we give money to someone and then they do whatever they want with it. And there's no benefit to us. Uh, as athletes and that's and when I say us I mean the broader us like anyone who's going to be paying into this
1: uh, organization well yeah and I think there's just one of the beautiful things about our sport is that there are so many different options and you have different brands doing different things and you know part of it is until you get all of the brands on one page it doesn't really matter what groups you make it almost can just turn into like just another group of athletes focused at a specific type of race or series. Um, you know, I, I love seeing the sport grow and I'm all about anything that can grow. And, you know, I know the limitations with getting startups are that you don't have the money to hire, you know, um, a staff to build this. I mean, you're probably getting volunteers and people that are trying to take this launch this thing while they're still doing everything else they do in their life. Um, but right. you know, we're up, watched- again,
0: we're on our third set of volunteers. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that, that's, to- and, and I don't know why the other people left. But they obviously left for a reason, right? And yeah. if, if every two years you're going through a completely different staff, like I question, I quite, and you, you haven't put on a race. Like when Adrian did the first OCRWC, he held a race and it was good. The OCRWC 2014 was really good. And every year it's gotten better and they've given away, you know, well into the six digits in prize money at this point. And then yeah. I, and I look at them. So they've been around since 2014, held events annually minus 2020 giving away hundreds of th- – like six figures cumulatively in prize money. And then I look at this other brand, uh, fizo and I see them not doing anything, adding bureaucracy, and putting their label on re- uh, events that are already occurring. So like I, I just have a-, a moment of pause, um, and maybe I'm wrong. May- maybe their hearts are in the right place, and this is what we need to kind of take the sport to the next level. Uh, but – It looks like they've they've just taken the OCRWC model and they're just gonna try to do the same exact thing but cash in on it. Versus like previously I I thought that what they were doing is they were just gonna try to make like a push for the Olympics. All right, we're gonna have this one standardized course. This is the only thing we're gonna put on, and I think that would be great. Right? Like if if they were the sole holders of Olympic OCR that was very standardized, I think that would be super cool. And then they leave um kind of the extreme, the X Games version of OCR, which is OCWC with variability uh to ocwc but
1: yeah but i guess for me just kind of like adding like putting your label on on other events isn't really the same thing as like developing a championship type of kind of what you're saying like a streamlined but you know i at least i'm glad the sport's growing enough to where these are you know things that are popping up but for me as an athlete it's not something that i will be you know putting on my agenda or on my goals for you know this upcoming year but i will just kind of watch it and see i mean i plan one of my big goals for 2023 is i really want to get to ocrwc um so you know that's important to me and that will be what i consider my um my championship race um in obstacle course racing next year for me personally as an athlete um yeah. and i'll probably see you there evan <laughs> yeah you know
0: i i think ocrwc is the championships because just like because everyone says it's the championships, right? It's a collective, like, yes, this is the championship event, just like we all say that money is valuable because it, it, we say we all agree that it is valuable, right? Same, same concept, and I don't think um, – well, I know for a fact that FISO has not built up that reputation in the last uh, – I think they started in, I want to say, 2017, in the last five years. Um, yeah. Will they do it in 2023? If history repeats itself, they won't. Um, could they? They could. And maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, and uh, maybe this we got a new group of athletes that are working behind the scenes to kind of get this thing going. Uh, yeah. Maybe I, maybe I, they're,
1: hope, I hope they do, um, and maybe it'll be something I look at in 2024, um, yeah. you know, and beyond. But at least for me for this year, um, you know, I don't think that those events will be things that I'll be, um, be at least a triple crown as a competitive, you know, pro elite athlete. That triple crown is not something I'm going to be um, personally going after.
0: I will say, if you have the travel budget and are decent, you would do, like, and I'm saying, putting this as a general statement, like you would do well at the triple crown because of the three locations. And as you mentioned, the time resources, money when and effort the, it requires, like just simply yeah. showing up, you'll probably fall. Cause I imagine there's not going to be many people who show up to all three, right? Like I think if you, if you're decent and, and you show up to all three, you'll, you'll end up in the top 10.
1: Yeah. I mean, because if I look at like, you know, I think of myself as an athlete, pretty versatile on that, that scale of hundred meter tough obstacle, you know, race. And I could go out and put down the, the 24, but, you know, I've already got a lot of great stuff lined up for, for this year and, um, you know, the, the, the money it would cost for me to do the triple crown and the time would cancel out like a lot of the other great things. So i um, I'll just be focusing on OCRWC as my, as my kind of high level championship event in this, in the Savage series as well.
0: Yeah. I think uh, Chris Rogowski obviously would do well. Um, oh, she would do great. You know, uh, I think Amy Padgett from our team would do really well if she was interested in traveling yeah. all the way there. So.
1: Yeah. Well, we will see Evan.
0: And, and then honestly, if you can do well in, two of the events or one or two of the like and then just show up and participate in the third again yeah. I, I don't think the the depth of competition will be there because uh, most people do not have the uh, expendable income to just blow on yeah i would be
1: curious clubs. to see if it would um drive any international athletes more into world's toughest mutter i think that'll be kind of an interesting thing to see happen too um you know, if if that if it really does launch and and gets a lot of traction as far as like on on a competition level, I'd be curious to see, um, you know, how that could drive competition over it and and that race here.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Keep but- our ears open. I know some of the other podcast. I want to say Matt Davis from ORM had uh, had someone from, obstacle sports federations on there. Um. So.
1: Okay. I, I, well, I, we'll I haven't
0: keep- gone back and li- I haven't actually listened to that yet. So yeah, I might go. I might listen to that before we next before next time Uh, maybe
1: we can you'll have some time on a plane next week (laughs) that is true that is true (laughs) listen to that catch up but um yeah i'm really excited looking forward to seeing you next week and then catching everybody up on a post race
0: yeah so make sure you're following uh we're gonna cross we're gonna try cross posting across everything right between basically anytime we post you know our personal pages but then also strength and speed and mudgear battle lines pro team uh, so make sure you're following all those. Uh, we'll try to cross post as much as we can. However, occasionally I forget to tag someone. So you, you get a mix of everything. And again, we we land on the 10th. Um, yep. So you'll start getting content basically on the 10th. Um, and then through the 11th, 12th, and thirteenth, and then a little bit the Yeah, 13th.
1: I'm looking forward to putting some content together, so I can also get back with people. And you know, we, it may be a little limited there, based on like service and Wi-Fi. But at least when I get back, really looking forward to sharing that experience with everyone.
0: Good stuff. And we'll also do a post-event podcast. I might squeeze a different one in, in between. Yeah. So you just don't get me and Rachel running our mouths the whole yeah, time.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're gonna boo me. You're gonna start getting <laughs> complaints here soon. <laughs> Actually, we maybe if we did video, it would be better, Evan.
0: Uh- <laughs> yeah, that's more of, I don't know. I'm
1: real. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, but uh, anyway, I'll tr- tr- it-
0: <laughs> So uh, the, on the last, uh, me and Rachel did a live stream on Facebook, and uh, we had, we had someone quote tell, say that Rachel is, what was it? Not bad to look at?
1: Yeah, so like Evan, great content. Rachel has good energy and not bad to look at. And I thought it was <laughs> funny. I <laughs> guess I'm not too bad to look at.
0: Yeah, huh? <laughs> we, th- we thought that was pretty funny
1: um yeah get so. a good laugh but um we did we anyways, did have it- a bunch of people staying
0: and and continue to listen so i'm going to credit that with rachel because i feel like normally a lot of people come and go real quickly
1: <laughs> so. i'm only just a little bit prettier than evan, but it depends <laughs> on what your tastes are actually you know uh,
0: <laughs> sure enough. Well enough
1: thank- thanks for having me evan and i look forward to seeing you next week
0: all right sounds good we'll catch you all later
1: bye